0: Settle in, people! Here comes the What For! This is the What For podcast. I'm Andy, your host. Welcome back to another episode. And today, we're talking the National Football League. Today, I want to give you a preview of the upcoming season. We'll focus in on some key storylines, and maybe, maybe I'll make a few predictions along the way. Let's start with some of those key stories, like... Who's going to be the quarterback in New Orleans now that Drew Brees has retired? Is Aaron Rodgers actually going to play for Green Bay anymore? How will Carson Wentz do in Indianapolis? And will Ryan Fitzpatrick bring the Fitz Magic to Washington? So let's jump into it. Looking at New Orleans, they have four quarterbacks currently on their roster. They include seven-year veteran Jameis Winston, five-year veteran Taysom Hill, the Swiss Army knife of quarterbacks, six-year veteran Trevor Simeon, and rookie Ian Book. So, who's the guy? Practical wisdom would say probably Jameis Winston, just based on his experience as a starter. But head coach Sean Payton has said, for years that Taysom Hill is the heir apparent to Drew Brees. Well, apparently we're going to find out who the heir is. What we have in those four quarterbacks is two knowns and two primarily unknowns. The knowns are Jameis Winston and Trevor Simeon. Jameis Winston we know. He's a little inconsistent Okay, maybe more than a little inconsistent, but he shows flashes of absolute greatness. Trevor Semyon, we know. It's never been great, but it's at least been an acceptable level of play. So, to me, Semyon's a good guy to have in your back pocket, maybe in the event that you really need a quarterback all of a sudden due to injury or whatever. So that's not a terrible move for the Saints to have him on the roster. Then we get to the unknowns. Taysom Hill. We've seen him at wide receiver. We've seen him at running back. We've seen him return kicks. We've even seen him take a couple of snaps at quarterback here and there. But we really don't know the skill set as a quarterback. We know he's an incredible athlete. But beyond that, can he handle the quarterback position snap by snap, game by game? Maybe we'll see. And then there's Ian Book. Well, he's a rookie. We don't know that he can handle the NFL game. There are a lot of guys that come out of college that are really good college quarterbacks. Come into the NFL and you go, hmm, not so good. So we'll have to see with Ian Book. To me, it's going to be very interesting who comes out as the starting quarterback there in New Orleans. Now let's head north to Green Bay and, oh, surprise, Aaron Rodgers is unhappy in Green Bay. Well, this has been building for what seems like the last five, six years, and I, I don't know how this is going to play out. Is it just talk? Is it just grandstanding trying to get a different setup, a different system, different weapons for Aaron Rodgers to use there in Green Bay? Or is it something where he's genuinely unhappy and really, really wants to play somewhere else? Frankly, your guess is as good as mine, and we'll have to just let things play out. Does he hold out? Does he show up? Does he play? Does he demand a trade? (laughs) We'll see. Stay tuned, friends. Now let's head down to Indianapolis. Now this one fascinates me. Carson Wentz as the Colts' starting quarterback, or at least we believe he will be the Colts' starting quarterback. Now, as a guy who's been a fan of an NFC East division team for a long, long time, I've watched Carson Wentz in Philadelphia, and quite frankly, I don't know how he survived this long in Philadelphia. It seemed like he was always running for his life. It seemed like he was always under pressure. And, you know, his level of play kind of reflects that. But what is the real issue? Is it the fact that he was always running for his life? Is it that he didn't have anybody to throw to? Is it that all the pressure made him jumpy and made him make bad decisions with the football? All of these things have to be kind of addressed. And now that he is in Indianapolis with a new team, Maybe we'll get to the bottom of some of that. Frankly, my personal opinion is that he is a terrific quarterback and that he was just in a bad, bad situation there in Philadelphia. But we'll have to see. Once again, we just don't know. Off the field, Carson seems like a really decent guy, so I hope he does well there in Indianapolis. Now let's head over to our nation's capital and the Washington football team. Oh, my Washington football team. Yes, friends, I am a fan and have been for right about 40 years now. I have seen this team go to Super Bowls, and I have seen this team stink up the NFL for far too long. Now, last year, all of a sudden, under new head coach Ron Rivera, the Washington football team looked like they knew what they were doing. I mean, what a concept. A team that looks like it knows what it's doing. And that to me shows that the real problem for the last 20 some years has been a leadership issue there in Washington. It's not been a lack of talent, it's not been a lack of effort in most cases, save for the Albert Hainsworth debacle, which is a story for another day. It has primarily been a leadership issue. Owner Daniel Snyder has long reported to have had his fingers in everything in the organization. From coaching, to draft picks, to play calling, he's been involved in everything. And while Daniel Snyder is, by all accounts, a very, very intelligent businessman, he is not a football man. He does not understand the game at a level that allows him to make the decisions that he's reportedly made for the last couple of decades. And I think somewhere in late 2019, he finally figured that out. He got rid of his good friend Bruce Allen, thank you Mr. Snyder, and brought in Ron Rivera to basically oversee the whole show. And in doing so, he allowed himself to step out of the way. Well, this has been long overdue. Sorry, I went on a little rant there. I've been, that's, I've been holding that in for a long time. Anyway, Ron Rivera came in last year and did an incredible job. I mean, he took a defense that we already knew was solid and turned them into one of the very best in the NFL. He took an offense that, let's face it, was lacking in weapons and made them serviceable to the point that this team actually won the division, made the playoffs, and very nearly upset the would-be Super Bowl champion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And he did this using a combination of Alex Smith, Kyle Allen... Dwayne Haskins, and Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Now listen, Alex Smith is officially football legend at this point. What he went through just to get back on a football field and play at any kind of high professional level is nothing short of miraculous. If you don't know what I'm talking about, here's the deal. A couple of years ago, at a game, he broke his leg so severely that it nearly killed him. He literally almost lost his life due to the nature of the injury he sustained. ESPN did a spectacular documentary in their E60 series called Project 11 that chronicled Alex Smith and his surgery and recovery and rehab and all of the things that it took to get him back on a football field. If you have not watched it, I highly, highly recommend that you do. But fair warning, have a couple of boxes of tissues ready because this story will get to your emotions. And if it doesn't, you and I may really need to sit down and talk about some things, my friend. Getting back to this season, there's a new sheriff in town, and his name is Ryan Fitzpatrick, also known affectionately as Fitzmagic. Now, he projects to be the starting quarterback, barring something unforeseen like an injury or just some crazy training camp performance from Kyle Allen or Taylor Heineke. We'll see how that all plays. But I do suspect that Ryan Fitzpatrick will be the new starting quarterback in Washington. Now, Ryan Fitzpatrick has a reputation as being a bit of a gunslinger. He's a risk taker. He's exciting to watch. The downside to that is he'll occasionally have a real clunker of a game. You can expect a couple of those every year where he's going to have three, maybe four interceptions and just not be very good. But the rest of the time, he's going to be really, really fun to watch. So add that element to this exciting group of receivers that we now have. Of course, Terry McLaurin was already there. He was the one weapon we really had that was consistent. Now you add Curtis Samuel into that mix. You add rookie De'Ami Brown into that mix. You add the veteran Adam Humphreys into that mix. Oh yeah, and let's not forget guys like Kelvin Harmon, who was injured last year, Steven Sims Jr., and Cam Sims. There's going to be a legitimate battle for playing time at the wide receiver spot in Washington. This is going to be fun for once. I actually have some reasonable, but high expectations for this team. To begin with, we're going to have a winning record this year. That was the knock on them last year, even though they made the playoffs, was, oh, but they had a losing record. They're not very good. Well, if you watch them play, the record really didn't show what the team was capable of. And now with upgrades at quarterback and wide receiver, I don't think the wins and losses are going to be quite so much the issue as they have been. I do expect them to repeat as division champions. And you might be saying, yeah, but Andy, Dak Prescott's going to be healthy. He's going to be back at the helm in Dallas. Yeah, I get that. But I don't know that Dak has the protection that he once had, as evidenced by some of his more recent injury history. You know, at one time, Dallas had the best offensive line in the league, and there was no debating that but I just don't see that as being true anymore. And this is not a a Washington fan trying to pile on Dallas. It's not that at all. It's just looking at the evidence. That being said, I do think the Washington-Dallas games this year are going to be great, great fun. I don't see the Giants really contending this year. I think they'll be decent, but I just don't know that they have enough to really, really compete for that division title. And who knows what we're going to get in Philadelphia now with a new quarterback, a new head coach, a new system. We just don't know what we're going to get there. So I really think it's Washington's division to lose. I do want to touch on one other storyline leading into the season that's had a lot of NFL fans talking, and it is the return of Tim Tebow, the former Heisman Trophy winner, and University of Florida standout, has returned to the NFL after a few years playing pro baseball and not doing all that badly, I might add. But he's returned to the NFL now not as a quarterback, but as a tight end. It's interesting that, you know, when he first went into the NFL, a lot of people didn't think he could make it as a quarterback. And, you know, there's debate as to whether he did or did not succeed in that role. But that's not really the issue anymore. Now he's come back to the NFL as a tight end. A position that gets to both hit people and go catch the ball once in a while. I'm interested by this transition with Tebow From an athletic standpoint, I think he can do it. I think he's a gifted enough athlete to make that transition. Now, can he do it at an NFL level? Who knows? Maybe. Maybe not. But one thing I do know is it doesn't matter what position Tebow is playing. What he's bringing to the field is leadership. No one will argue that. All of the reports of all the Tebow hate, well, you know, he's taking a roster spot from a young kid, or blah, 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 blah. Tebow is a leader. No matter what position he's playing, no matter what he's doing, Tebow is a leader. It's who he is. And for a team like Jacksonville that hasn't had a lot of great success lately and has a lot of young players, that leadership will prove valuable. Now, here's the real question. Does Tebow make the 53-man roster as a tight end? Don't know. We will have to see how things play out in training camp and what Coach Meyer wants to do. Now, Coach Meyer is also an interesting factor in all of this because, you may remember, Tebow played for Meyer in college. So there's a connection there. But I want to throw just another scenario out there to you. Let's look back to last year, and all of a sudden the Denver Broncos did not have a healthy quarterback one week. All of their quarterbacks were in the health and safety protocols, And weren't eligible to play. So what did they do? They turned to undrafted free agent, rookie, wide receiver, Kendall Hinton, to play quarterback in the NFL. Here's a young man who's just come into the league. After not even being drafted, he was signed as a free agent, as a rookie. He's not getting on the field but he did play quarterback in college. So, you're a healthy body. You're in. Congratulations. In that game, he threw nine passes, completed one for 13 yards, oh, and two interceptions. He also ran the ball twice for seven yards. So, you don't have a healthy quarterback you turn to an undrafted free agent rookie, wide receiver, who just happened to play quarterback in college, and he gets you a whopping 20 yards of total offense. What does this have to do with Tim Tebow? (laughs) Well, let's just play out a worst-case scenario for Jacksonville. Say Trevor Lawrence gets hurt. And by the way, I think Trevor's going to be a great NFL quarterback. I think he's going to do just fine. But say Trevor gets hurt, and say the other backups are in the health and safety protocol, so they can't play. Well, let's say Tebow doesn't make the roster as a tight end, but maybe he's on the practice squad. Well, okay, you need a quarterback. Well, you got this guy on your practice squad who played quarterback in college. Oh, and he also played quarterback in the NFL. He also knows the coach's offensive system because he played for that coach in college. What would you think about maybe calling this guy up off the practice squad and letting him play quarterback for a game until somebody gets healthy? Is that the worst thing that could happen? I will guarantee you in that situation Tim Tebow would get you more than 20 yards of total offense. Now, I'm not saying that's gonna happen. I'm just saying let's not rule out any logical possibility. Oh, and by the way, before rosters have even been finalized, Tebow has one of the best, if not the best-selling jersey in the entire NFL. So there's that. And whether he gets in the game as a tight end or, God forbid, as a quarterback, I will guarantee you it is going to light the fans up. Speaking of such things, now's a good time for us to light it up. For today's Light It Up segment, I want to turn to college football for a few minutes. Specifically, Iowa City, Iowa. Now you might think that's a little bit of a strange place to go, but there's a purpose here. You see, that's where the Iowa Hawkeyes play college football, at Kinnick Stadium. And right behind Kinnick Stadium is University of Iowa's Stead Family Children's Hospital. And I mean, it's right behind the stadium. Well, a few years ago, a tradition began where at the end of the first quarter, players and coaches and fans would turn away from the field and focus their attention at the top floor of the hospital in an area that's been referred to as the press box, where children and their families that are patients at the hospital have gathered to kind of watch the game from a distance. Well, at the end of the first quarter, everyone turns toward the press box and waves to the children and their families at the hospital friends let me tell you as someone who spent fairly significant time in hospitals as a child there is no drug more powerful than hope and that's exactly what the iowa wave as it's become known as does it gives hope to these children to these families who are dealing with very serious illnesses. Nothing is more powerful than hope. And I tell you another thing about this story that I absolutely love. You know, the general narrative around athletes is is that they're all selfish and they don't care about anybody else and they just wanna get paid, they just want to do this and this and, and you know, have all the fancy stuff and they don't care about people. Well this story just blows a giant hole in that narrative. And I absolutely love it. I hope you'll take the time to look up the Iowa Wave and look at some video and see the smiles on these kids' faces. It is absolutely priceless. Something you'll never forget. And I hope you don't forget it. I hope that's something that you can hang on to when you're having a bad day or when you feel like things just aren't going very well right now. Drawing on something that brings you hope will pull you right out of that funk that you're in. So hang on to that. If you know of a great story for our Light It Up segment, feel free to email that to what4podcast at gmail.com. Once again, that's what4podcast at gmail.com. Well that's our lighted Up segment for today and I hope that encouraged you. It sure did encourage me. And maybe that's a great story you can share with a friend. Speaking of sharing with friends, I would love it if you shared the What For podcast with your friends. I'd love for them to listen in and maybe gain some encouragement, maybe laugh, maybe learn a little something. Who knows? Find us on Facebook and Instagram. Follow us there. Subscribe through your favorite podcasting application. Stay up to date on what's happening with the What For podcast. Thanks for listening today, and I hope you'll come back for more episodes as we continue to give the world the What For.